0: Oh, and thank you for joining us for the Precious Little Sleep Parenting Podcast episode number two. I'm Alexis Dubief, and today we're going to be talking about the mystery that is newborn sleep. Newborn babies are physiologically different from older, regular babies, and this can present some really unique challenges, specifically when it relates to sleep. So today in the podcast, we're going to be talking about what is normal, when does it get better, and how can you rock it? So without further ado, let's dig in. I am joined today by Ashby, Katka, and Melissa. And we're so thrilled that you're taking the time to join us as we delve into the mysteries of newborn sleep. Uh, If you are a parent, you have at some point in time, possibly currently, been the parent of a newborn baby. Newborns are zero to three months, roughly speaking. If your child was born prematurely, then your newborn phase might be a little longer than normal. Uh, But it's something that's inevitable that we need to get through. So I sometimes joke about newborn sleep as in, what is this newborn sleep concept you're talking about? And how is it? And how do we get some? Uh, because newborn sleep can be really, really challenging. Um, newborns, babies do not typically you know, come out of the womb uh, primed for sleep, quite the opposite. So we're going to talk a little bit about what is normal. So you know, are are you dealing with standard newborn newborn challenges, or are things sort of unusual? And also, how to survive it, uh, because one way or the other, we all have to get through this. So there is a huge range of what is normal for newborns. various studies have looked at this, and truthfully, the daily sleep range for a newborn is anywhere from 11 to 18 hours a day. So anything in that wide span of time is totally normal. Uh, Some newborns will sleep for long interrupted chunks of time right out the bat. Um, I call these loaf of bread babies. You can just kind of carry them around with you, and they just sort of sleep, and they're just kind of present. You know, they'll awake periodically to eat and poop, and that's about the end of it. Um, Other babies are going to be awake for long periods of time and might take tiny little naps, and those naps are really, really hard to come by, you know, where you spend 40 minutes trying to get your baby to fall asleep, and they sleep for 20 minutes, and they're up again. So, you know, both of these spans, from the loaf of bread down to the baby who never sleeps, totally normal for babies.
1: Yeah, this is Ashby talking. Um, I noticed that a lot of people have this impression that the baby will sleep when they're tired, and this is something that you're not really told before you have a baby, when the reality yeah. is that they have to be actively helped to sleep. I mean, almost all newborns must be actively helped to sleep at this age. I think that's a surprising realization for a lot of people. I also thought they would just oh, sort yeah. of fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I see animals just falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so I assumed that the, the dog didn't need to shake each puppy individually. <laughs>
2: Yes, there are babies that will just magically fall asleep. You don't you just lay them down in the crib and they will just drift off and we call them unicorn babies. And if I were to make a guess, I would say that they make up like what five to ten percent of yeah, all babies. So if you have one of those, you're really lucky. If you don't, it's normal. Don't feel bad if you need to help your baby fall asleep. It's normal.
0: Yes, it is normal that your child is going to need a lot of assistance in falling asleep. And that assistance can come in many, many uh, flavors, you know, nursing, rocking, baby wearing, swaddling, white noise, being pushed in a stroller, you um, you know, there's there's really a wide variety of things that newborns will need to sleep, and you'll very quickly kind of figure it out because you'll go, "Wow, we tried everything, and only this one thing worked." And uh, then Bob's your uncle. That's 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 what it is. But it typically is re- relatively sort of active. It's not um, sing a song, uh, put them in the crib, and uh, quietly walk out of the room. <laughs> that's not that's not going to happen. Uh, We also talk about newborns being pretty fussy and crying a lot. So again, this is normal. And I think sometimes we feel like we're failing because our newborns cry a lot are fussing a lot. I mean, there's a lot of active fussing, eh, 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 like this kind of mm-hmm. like constant. And if you don't, you know, uh, address the fussing, it very, very quickly
3: escalates into crying. Um, so oh, sometimes even in their sleep, like yes. that's what nobody told me, like newborn babies are really loud in their sleep. They are in front and everything. And nobody told me that when I had a baby and I was like, He's sleeping. Why is he so noisy when he's sleeping? <laughs>
0: yeah, that whole phrase, sleep like a baby, is enormously misleading. It's just enormously <laughs> So yeah, so newborns fuss and cry and make a lot of noise. And uh, it, it really can become a backbreaking labor of love to help your child not cry and not be fussy. So it's, it's literally an all-encompassing job. Typically, for most of us, again, there are unicorn babies and the loaf of bread babies who just kind of carry around with you, and it's you know no problem. But for the most of us, it's an active, uh, labor-intensive job of walking, rocking, nursing, um, feeling often like it's a kind of a, a constant, you know, uh, sort of sort of process. So, um, so on the one hand, we have unicorn babies who are sort of easy peasy. They fall into patterns pretty easily. They fall asleep easily. They're pretty content. On the other side of the spectrum, we have uh, high needs or fussy or colicky children. And again, not something you did wrong, not because you ate that one hot dog that wasn't fully cooked when you were pregnant. This is just the way some babies are born. And and being a fussy or high-needs newborn does not mean that you're going to grow into a high-needs or fussy child. It's really just a phase. And it's easy to say, oh, it's just a phase when you're not in it. When you're in it and living with a child who is truly high-needs or colicky, it is exhausting. And people will talk about how rough that time was because there is nothing more important in the world than caring for your child. And your child is seemingly miserable despite all of your best efforts. And that's a topic for sort of another discussion, but I wanted to put that out there that roughly 30% of infants are high needs uh, when they are newborns. Now, the good news is, is that the high needs behavior, the crying, the demands for a lot of soothing, the lack of sleep tends to abate around six months. So as challenging as a time as it can be when they're younger, it is not in fact a permanent state of being. And most of those colicky high needs kids are sleeping as well and crying as little as their non-colicky counterparts by their
2: six-month birthday. So, and I would even say that most colicky babies usually improve significantly after three to four months. Yes. Like the first three, three and a half months are really the worst. And then it somehow slowly improves. It's not like one day you suddenly have a new baby, but, you know, like in two weeks you realize, oh, things are not so horrible anymore. They're, you know, like almost bearable.
0: You're like, I showered today. Yes.
1: And with these fussy babies, uh, I noticed a lot of people will say, my baby is reverse cycling. Mm -hmm. Their baby is eating all night sleeping all day or eating all night and all day and never sleeping. And in, in reality, I think a lot of people think this is because um, they need a very dark room at night and they, they have their days and nights mixed up. And I, what I learned from Alexis is there's not really a whole lot you can do to fix that initially. It's a result of the pattern of motion when they were in the womb where you were active during the day. So your motion was soothing them to sleep and you were still at night. So they were up. Yeah. And so it's not something to actively do to fix it.
0: That's a great segue. So <laughs> thank you so much, Ashby. So <laughs> let's kind of break down like why newborns don't sleep well. And I and I want to use like stronger terms there, but I <laughs> let's just say they don't sleep well. So one of the reasons that Ashby just mentioned is that when your child was in your stomach, you were busy during the day. And then that motion was actively rocking your child to sleep so that naturally they were sleeping during the day. And then when you were asleep at night, the rocking stopped and they tended to be more awake, which is why when you go to bed, it's like baby Olympics going on in your stomach. Um, the other reason is that all mammals, and we are mammals, uh, have a circadian rhythm, which is a hormonal regulatory cycle that basically keeps us awake for a long stretch of time during the day and helps us sleep for a long stretch of time at night. Now, this is a hormonal kind of internal regulatory system that we're not born with. It's very immature at birth. And so instead of having this kind of daytime wake-up, nighttime sleep pattern, uh, newborn sleep is roughly scattered throughout the day, like it's in a random pattern. So it takes time for that to develop. That's simply a developmental process. And there's a million you know theories on the internet as to what you should be doing to facilitate this and the reality is it's time and exposure to light that occurs naturally because you're awake during the day and we have lights on and the sun is out so it's you, much
1: like transitioning from a trip overseas it's jet lag on the extreme it is. you can't necessarily force it to get better immediately yeah.
0: You could keep it from happening by staying in a light, bright environment 24 hours a day, and and preemies who spend a lot of time in the NICU sometimes struggle with that hmm. because the lights are on 24 hours. But in a normal kind of home setting, bright light during the day, lights are on, sun is out, dark nights at night because it's nighttime, it's going to happen on its own about three months. So uh, you might have seen people saying, oh, you know, uh, wake them up from naps and, uh, you know, uh, don't let them um, stay awake at night. Well, of of course, we don't want to let them stay awake at night. But for a while, that may simply be the reality
3: yes.
2: of how life is. And uh, that while is probably about eight weeks. That is uh, true. And uh, I remember when uh, we talked with Alexis about this, when my second baby was born, and she said, well, I've recently come across this research that says that it takes eight weeks, which is 56 days to uh, for the circadian rhythm to develop. And I remember um, both my sons had these long, long um, wakings during the night, like they would be up from, I don't know, 1am until 3am and just no amount of soothing would put them back to sleep. And I remember with my second son, day 57, he stopped doing that. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, you you guys are all lucky because you're like new moms like in the Netflix and the Amazon streaming uh oh, zone. yes. Because oh, I Netflix. my children preceded that and I would be awake from like one to four in the morning, like desperate. Like if I could find like a uh, like like a rerun of of like charmed or angel <laughs> on TNT, like that was like like the best case scenario. <laughs>
2: like at yeah. one in the
0: morning, I'd be like, oh,
2: So Um, if you have one of those babies who are up for hours in the middle of the night, uh, there is hope. It will probably improve a lot after the first eight weeks. Those are the most rough. But
0: but I would advocate that saying, you know, waking them up during the day or trying to keep them awake for arbitrarily long periods of time during the day is not going to facilitate it. It's just going to result in a cranky, tired baby. um, And a cranky, tired mom. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not a party. So so it's hard sometimes to say you have to just wait it out, but that really is the answer in this scenario. Um, so other reasons why newborn uh, sleep like garbage um, is that uh, infants have an immature sleep pattern. And what that means is that as adults, we tend to phase into a deep level of sleep and then stay there for a few hours uh, before cycling into a light sleep and then, you know, re- continuing back into a deep sleep pattern. So, you know, most of the time, if you wake up at night as an adult, you're not even aware that it happened. um, And it's typically brief and you sort of roll over and fall back asleep. Infants are doing that every 50 to 90 minutes. So they're constantly waking up. And, you know, if you said, well, my newborn wakes up four times a night, I would argue they're probably waking up eight to 10 times a night. You just don't know about it you know, the other six times. So again, this is just part of the biology of, of, of newborn sleep in, a, in an immature sleep cycle. So they're waking up a lot. And many times newborns, especially the more challenging newborns who are a little fussier or who need more soothing, every time they cycle through that light sleep phase, they need a lot of help to get back to sleep. And, you know, we're going to talk in future podcasts about how we can help them to do that without as much parental involvement. But 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 again the behavior of the constant waking is is really sort of rooted in that light sleep phase that they spend a lot of time in far more than adults do. Um another reason that newborn uh, sleep is challenging is again there's a lot of mythology that says your baby will let you know when they need to sleep. Just right. like Ashby mentioned, like yeah. you thought they sort of fall asleep. I mean, you know, babies poop when they need to, right? Like you don't have to like do anything. You th- oh, This is sort of a biological function. They'll just sort of conk out. Um, no, it, it's in fact not necessarily true that they'll fall asleep. In fact, they may not give good signs. You know, again, another myth is, well, they'll rub their eyes and they'll start to yawn and you'll you'll know. Some kids nope. don't give
2: sleep cues or they don't
0: give sleep cues until they're vastly overtired.
2: And remember that these are, what if we're really talking about newborns, newborns, they can't rub their eyes yet. They <laughs> have true. zero hand coordination. So really, really yeah. tiny babies, they, yeah. they will not rub their eyes. They they just wave their arms around. They flap about. <laughs> so really uh, tiny newborns will give you very little in the way of uh, sleep cues.
0: I remember being told that my child would look off and a gl- in a glazed way in the distance. And I I was so confused because that was pretty much 24 hours a day. Like (laughs) what I was looking for. Um so yeah so watching for cues is not a terrible piece of advice but I would be more mindful of sort of paying attention to how long they've been awake and uh you know again the typical newborn probably can't be awake much longer than an hour hour and a half tops uh so the clock is going to be a better cue to follow more reliable anyway than um than the glazed distant you know look uh, so another reason newborns struggle with sleep is that their tummy is the size of a walnut. So when your tummy is the size of a walnut and you exist on an entirely liquid diet, um, you know, it, you tend to need to eat a lot. They're growing at an astronomical rate. Uh, breast milk and formula both digest relatively quickly. So basically you eat, digest, are hungry, eat, digest, are hungry. And that happens um, fairly quickly consistently throughout the day. So for a while, you're going to get many, many, many night feedings, many requests to eat. And again, uh, somewhat depressingly, <clears throat> something you sort of
3: have to just sort of push through. Mm-hmm. And especially like um, with newborns, sometimes they will eat more at a certain period of day for a lot of babies. That's the evening, but it can feel like you literally just fed them and they just want to like Eat all night long, and that is totally normal when they're very little.
0: It is normal. Although I will say personally, it was a real challenge because that I felt trapped on the couch, Mm -hmm. like I couldn't. You know, um, it's 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 a challenging adjustment to go from being able to be mobile to not being able to feel confident that you can leave the house because the child's going to need to eat so quickly that by the time you've. Gone anywhere, your husband's desperately texting you to return. But, um,
1: and it can be more challenging the more other children, older children you yes. have to yeah. wrangle.
0: Uh, so part of this is that you know, uh, to say these things are normal, and if your child is doing this during the newborn phase, that that is also normal and totally okay. It's not a cause for concern, it's not because you're doing something wrong, it's not because you're a bad parent, it's because newborn babies are hard and that developmentally and biologically they cry a lot. They wake a lot, and they need a lot of help to stay calm and to fall asleep. So yes. that may feel depressing and overwhelming. <laughs> um, so let's talk about what we can do to survive this phase and come out feeling triumphant and strong, uh, you know, f- f- for for the first few months, which can be, could be a real challenge.
1: Yeah. Um, well, for one, we can make sure that they're not awake too long. Uh, being overtired, and contrary to what your grandmother might say, you know, they're not going to keep them up all day and have them sleep all night. Being nope. overtired will make it even harder for them to fall asleep.
0: And more likely they'll cry. So yes. we're trying to yeah. minimize crying. Overtired is not our
2: friend. Right. Yeah. And uh, the, go ahead, Katka. Yes, and what I wanted to say that um, whatever um, things we suggest now – please remember that babies have no habits at this age. You're not at this very moment, like when your baby is a few weeks old, please, whatever you need to do to help them sleep, don't think of it as bad habits. You will have... Time to wean off whatever um, soothing method you are using, and you will be able to make changes in the future. Right now is the time to use whatever tools you can, whatever tools are available to you. Do that now. This is quite literally the hardest part of your life. You've just given birth, you have a high needs baby, or maybe you just have a normal baby. It's still really, really hard. So, now is the time to use whatever methods and tools you can so don't as l- be as afraid long as of using these
3: as long as it's safe like it's not yeah. worth compromising yeah. your baby's safety just to get them to sleep like they are the one of the most precious gifts that you will ever have and um, I know how challenging it can be but you have to think their safety is also just as important as their sleep
0: uh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I just want to kind of double down on what Kaka said. So the first 6 weeks is really the most challenging. So crying peaks and fussiness is at its worst at 6 weeks. Yes. So if you think about, you know, this is this is a marathon. 6 weeks we have to get through. Things don't magically just become amazing on week seven, but you're now on the you know downhill side. Things are going to gradually start getting a little bit easier, less crying, longer stretches of sleep, slightly less amount of work to help your child sleep. So the first six weeks are not the time to worry about, oh, well, we don't want to introduce a pacifier because we don't want to have a pacifier habit. No, no. If the pacifier helps... Then the first six weeks is the time to go, great, the pacifier is helping. You know, uh, a lot of times I hear from parents and they're worried about issues that aren't going to be a problem until their child's eight months old. And I'm like, no, no, Mm -hmm. you have a four-week-old. If your four-week-old really, really likes being swaddled and using a pacifier, this is the time to embrace those things. And don't worry about, you know, sending your child to kindergarten with a pacifier. That's not today's problem.
1: And really, they develop so quickly at this age that in a few months, you won't even be able to imagine your baby as they were two months ago. And it will be very obvious to me now that my two-year-old would never sleep well (laughs) swaddled in a swing.
0: absolutely. Um, So that's a great lead into, uh, you know, more soothing children who are newborns need a lot of soothing. So we don't want to be stingy about it. We want to be safe, of course, but we don't want to be stingy. So, you know, swaddling, uh, possibly the use of an infant swing, pacifiers, white noise. These are all great. I will occasionally get somebody who's like, but swaddling is going to keep them from developing gross motor skills. And I'm like, your six week old doesn't have any gross motor skills. You're just kind of flappy and limp. So really,
2: it's fine, and also we're assuming that they're not swaddled twenty four hours that there, a day. Yeah, yes. there's
0: plenty of time to uh, to to hang out, but um, but for sleep, you know, gross motor skills are not being developed while they sleep, so it's really it's really fine. Um, I would also say plan to be awake during the night. It took me and my husband a while to get out of the habit of going to bed together and getting into more of a shift mm-hmm. mode where okay, I'm going to go to bed at 9 tonight and I'm going to sleep until 2 and then I'm going to be up with this kid who's going to be wide awake from 2 to 4 watching uh, Angel on TNT. <laughs> and then, you know, you go to bed at 11. And then I'm going to pass off my non-sleeping child to you at six in the morning. And I'm going to go back to sleep for like another two hours between six and eight in the morning. Yes. And and that took me a while to figure out, even though in hindsight, it seems obvious we should have been doing that because we would sort of both stay up until 10 or 11 and then no one's sleeping. So think strategically about like, how does everyone get some sleep and how do we come up with an alternating schedule so that everybody has the possibility of at least periodically getting more than two hours of sleep.
1: And I think a lot of people will see, will say, you know, this is really putting a huge strain on my marriage and, and that is normal, but the expectation that you will sleep at the same time and the same bed for the same period with sex at the beginning is unrealistic <laughs> in the newborn stage. Yeah. So it's really not a, while your marriage will almost certainly Encounter some chinks in its armor during the new <laughs> stage. It is not an indication that your marriage is suffering if you're one is on the couch, one is in the bed, yeah. one has earplugs in, et cetera.
0: I, I don't think anybody gets to this phase without at some point looking at their spouse and thinking, I hate you.
1: <laughs> I, just, I just hate you. <laughs>
0: and uh and it's okay. It's totally okay. Yes. <laughs> it's a huge adjustment. It's a big adjustment. Um I also wanted to say, you know, kind of go with the flow. Another thing is, especially I think for type A personalities, you know, having some predictability, knowing what to plan for, uh, the desire to have a sleep schedule. Like, what time should I be putting my child to bed? What time should we be doing naps? This is not something that most newborns are going to do at all. So you can fight it and try to shoehorn it and try to make it happen. Or you can just say, you know what? They just Got born like a minute ago. So yep. maybe we just kind of let it go, follow their lead, keep an eye on the clock. We don't want them awake too long. If it's been an hour and a half, okay, let's start to make something happen, but just kind of go with the flow. And I understand that it is very painful. I like knowing what yes. time they're going to sleep yeah. too. So part of this is acceptance to say, let's not drive ourselves nuts trying to pursue a schedule. Let's just let it be and, and make sure that we're all sleeping as much as we can, that we're safe, and we're crying as little as possible. And I mean that as parents as well.
1: <laughs> with, the faith, with the faith that in, in the future, there will be the possibility for a schedule. It's always important not to extrapolate behavior from the newborn phase to behavior forever.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's and gradual, I think if you can... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say I think that if you... um notice something then sometimes you can it's easier to like take advantage of it and realize that just might be the way that they are for right now like when alan was really little he just like he would be really awake around like 9 and 10 p.m and then fall asleep around 11 so i'm like okay i'm just accepting this i mean i'm like really tired from also my toddler but whatever i'm just gonna netflix during this time because i know he usually falls asleep around 11 if i try and like fight it and get him to sleep earlier and never ends well so I will just Netflix during this time and accept that he is just not going to go well if I try and get him to sleep like sometimes they do have kind of like patterns that emerge a little bit that you can see I mean the rest of the day was totally off the rails but that was like the one thing that he always consistently did so
0: I I think that's the benefit of being an experienced parent. When my first was born, I freaked out about the fact that he was awake for like three to four hours every evening. And he was miserable. And we're like, he must be tired. He's so miserable. We have to help him sleep. And I would spend hours and we're bathing him and massaging him and rocking him and nursing him and nothing was – he would not fall asleep. Now I understand that that was the witching hour. He was simply awake. And with number two, I was just like, "All right, here we go. Let's do this. All right, it's it's go time. Here we go. Fussy baby, four hours game on. Yeah, you know, yeah. settle it? in." Yes. So, so acceptance is hard. It's a hard place to get to, but it's really just makes so much, so many things easier. Um, Melissa beautifully talked on the importance of safety. Again, we're not going to delve into. SIDS uh, and safe sleep environments in a great detail right here. We will in a future podcast, but I will say that it's really important that your child is sleeping in a safe space all of the time. Um, you should definitely talk, bring it up with your pediatrician, take a picture of where your child sleeps, bring it to your pediatrician and say, what do you think about this? Does this feel like a safe environment to you? Share the changes we should make. Uh, If you want to Google, the American Academy of Pediatrics has a really nice, concise safe sleep position statement. You can find it for free online. I think that is pretty much the guiding reference for understanding safe sleep. And the one thing I would say is uh, just as a brief note, your child should never ever ever be left to sleep on a couch or a chair either on their you know by themselves or with you. And I listen, I did that with my child. Now this was before we knew that this was dangerous, but that is not safe. Couches, plus chairs, recliners not safe for newborns or infants of any size, form. So, even though things can be rough and it's hard to stay strict about where your child's sleeping, uh, safety is the number one concern more so than crying or how much sleep they're getting. So that's uh, something to keep in mind uh, at all times. All right. So let's go around and hopefully everybody can chime in and maybe share a few tips or tricks that they've come up with to say, how do we sort of get, through, you know, roll with the punches and get through the newborn phase? I'm going to start with mine, which was that when mine were newborns and they were very, very fussy, reflexy kids, a lot of crying, a lot of nursing, a lot of carrying, I had a hard time eating and I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be able to put them down long enough to make a sandwich or scramble eggs and I would just not eat. I mean, there were days I'm a nursing mom, like my husband would get home from work and I'd eaten like nothing all day other than like a couple of cookies. So what worked for us was um, kind of putting food out like at a cocktail party and like literally like having plates of cut up cheese or fruit or nuts that I could just grab while I was standing there. Now, it wasn't awesome. I didn't love it. And it's not like a lifestyle choice you want to make for the long term. But For a short-term period, it kept me a lot more um, reasonable on terms of eating and not like starving myself and then being like ravenous and cranky and low blood sugar by like five o'clock at night. So that helped us a lot. Does anybody else have any strategies that help them get through it?
1: For me, it was get out of the house. I know that's not. Some people like to nest. I was not a nester. The walls started to crawl very quickly for me. So I. left the house rain or shine and went to the mall with all the other despairing (laughs) aging people and postpartum depression mothers.
0: It's time for a sad stroller walk, buddy. Let's go. Get in, get in with the crew.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. The grandmother's looking at me saying, Oh, how wonderful.
0: Kaka, do you have any uh, strategies for getting through things?
2: Uh, Yeah, I, I second, um, if you've, Feel even a little bit up to it. Go and get out of the house. You will feel like a million bucks, even if, even if it's to go to the mall and uh, you know uh, buy diapers or whatever. Uh, So that's one thing. And uh, the second thing is uh, my son was uh, pretty high needs too, and we had horrible witching hours. And my advice for witching hours is one, just um, you know just takes time it's not you it's not this is the baby you've been given it's nothing you did so just accept that this is what it is for now and two don't be afraid to use whatever and whatever tools and all of them at the same time so don't feel ridiculous if you are um bouncing your swaddled baby in a dark bathroom with the hair dryer on uh, while your baby is latched onto your nipple. So that's that's what it takes for now. It will not be forever. So don't be afraid to use all the tools that you need to use. And I highly recommend um, all new parents to study uh, Dr. Carp's mm-hmm. 5S. The 5S,
0: happiest S's, baby on the block. Yeah,
2: happiest yeah. baby on the block. Uh, the fourth trimester theory, which essentially says that our babies are born too early and they need a lot of help. It's like um, they should have stayed in the uterus three more months, but they were born early, so yes. they need a lot of help at the beginning. And he has uh, these five tools which are tremendously helpful. Go Google it. Uh, there are very helpful videos on YouTube where he explains. I, yeah, it's a book and a
0: video, like. and I prefer the video. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, but even if you go to YouTube, there are just short, you know, like interviews uh, on television where he shows the method and it's great. And I highly recommend every new parent to study that.
0: Absolutely. How about you, Melissa?
2: I think for me, like you guys have
3: already mentioned tons of great stuff. I think one thing you need to do is like during that time, you are taking care of a baby a lot and you have to remember, like, Also to take care of yourself and like if you maybe only have like 10 or 15 minutes or whatever like don't do the dishes like the dishes will wait like if you need to shower or you need to get a cup of coffee or you need to read a magazine or whatever to like make yourself feel a little human about it like it's okay to let some of the housework go like and also, don't feel bad if you can't sleep when the baby sleeps. Like people always told me, sleep when the baby sleeps. But then it's like the middle of the day and I'm like, I'm so tired, but I'm so awake. And then I felt guilty for not being able to sleep. So it's, it's okay if you're not sleeping and it's okay if you're not doing housework. Like you have bigger things to worry about now. And if anyone wants to come do your housework for you, let them like just let them. You know, my
0: son is nine. I still don't do housework. I think those are words to live by. I think I think that's, like, that's a life philosophy for me. Well, Alexis,
1: I did say don't extrapolate from the newborn phase. <laughs> no, way, man. To your- <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking with it. This is a good one.
0: You guys, you guys should, should join me. I also wanted to say, by the way, speaking of taking care of yourself is um, oftentimes there's a primary person who is at home with a newborn for most of the time, especially in the U.S. because we have such crappy parental leave policies. So the person who's with the child all the time Tends to get really good at soothing that child because you're practicing all the time. So then, the partner who has gone back to work or who is less available may not have the same um, level of expertise, uh, and that can result in the situation where you know, you know, per, you know, the person who's caring for the child is the only one who can. And I would strongly suggest you avoid this. Uh, all Absolutely. parents it's, need yes. to be fluent he in baby soothing, the space, and it's. And Give them a chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's trial by
1: fire. You have to learn by doing. Yeah. Yeah, So if you grab a baby
0: back in five minutes because it's not working, you're not really embracing the trial by fire concept. So hand off baby and walk out the door for 45 minutes and let them figure it out. And if today didn't go well, try again tomorrow uh because they they will figure it out your partner loves your child as much as you do they just haven't had the same amount of time to practice so they'll get there but you need to allow that to happen and encourage that to happen so that you can take care of yourself and have and a backup
2: tell them what you know works yeah, with yeah. baby but also let them maybe find their own way of doing yeah. things they
3: yeah, it doesn't have to be the same way that you do things like my husband he can just when they're newborns, he can like hold them and hum and sway. And if I try that, it never works for me. It never <laughs> works for him. That's so fair. it doesn't have to be the exact same way that you do things for it to work. Like they will figure it out.
0: But you want to actively cultivate that. I, I go, I get a little nutty when par- people are like, well, my husband can't handle the baby. I'm like, sure he can. Absolutely, he can. <laughs> I guarantee you he can handle that baby. So it just needs a little more time, possibly some coaching. But typically, leaving the house is best. Just let them figure it out. Go for a long walk and, uh, you know, um, and let that be. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun. Again, this is an introduction to additional topics we'll be talking about, including um, safe sleep habits, uh, how to transition from the newborn phase into the regular baby phase, and how we start working on establishing better sleep associations and moving towards a little bit more predictability and how you can gently coax that along in a healthy and safe way. Uh, but hopefully we've given you some thoughts today that you can put into practice to make uh, the newborn phase a little bit more enjoyable and a little less tearful for all involved. Thanks so much, guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us today for the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We've got great plans for the future, and we really hope that you'll stick around and be a part of it. For more information, go to the website, www.preciouslittlesleep.com. You can learn more about the podcast, subscribe, or send us a question or email. Comments are welcome, as well as suggestions for future podcast topics. Additionally, if you have a moment to subscribe on iTunes, that would be wonderful. Uh, Positive reviews on iTunes are like giving us a warm hug, and we really love warm hugs. Look forward to our next podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye.